Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Practical Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Jaya Jayamira. Today, I am honored to have Dr. Gail Gazelle here with me. She's an assistant professor at Harvard Medical School, a certified mindfulness teacher, and the author of a new book called Everyday Resilience. Hey, Gail, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm delighted. So I ask all of my author guests this because we know books are such a labor of love and you just put so much time into it, right? What is it that motivated you to write Everyday Resilience? Well, there's a few things. For most of my career, I was a hospice physician and I worked with thousands of individuals in their sacred end of life journey. And Mm -hmm. obviously you get a diagnosis of a terminal illness and you wonder why me? Why is this happening? How could this be happening? And really seeing and helping people build their resilience to move out of why me into, you know, this is the hand I've been dealt. How am I going to make the most of it? What is it that's most important to me? So really helping them switch that frame and build their resilience so that they can live whatever time they have as best as possible. Oh, absolutely. I moved from... Yeah, I moved from being a hospice physician to becoming an executive coach for physicians and healthcare leaders. And there as well, people would come to me stuck, unhappy, disempowered, frustrated by the corporatization of medicine and and the emphasis on the bottom line. And again, realizing that there's just kind of small tweaks that people can make, small levers we can pull to help people, physicians in this case, move into a more empowered, happy, and, and really an ability to thrive in their careers. I have heard this from so many physicians of mine that are friends, like about how the system is messed up and how they're burnt out and how they don't know how they can adequately like serve their patients. So I I think physicians need so many more resources. So I commend you for this and working in hospice, man, one of my first jobs outside of high school was working as a nursing assistant. And I, of course I worked in retirement center again, like seeing what people have to be exposed to day in and day out. And when people feel like they don't have options, that's probably one of the worst things for anyone, regardless of age. Like we need to feel empowered and like we have a choice. And so uh, the fact that you wrote this book to help people to me is so inspiring. Well, along those lines, I'll I'll share the third reason that I wrote the book, which is my own resilience journey. You know, I don't necessarily look the part, but like many people, I grew up in a very abusive home, and uh, it's taken a lot of time and and effort to be resilient to that and figure out how to shed kind of the story of shame that I was left with as a result of of the abuse and really build my own capacity to thrive and, and find love and meaning and live well. Yeah, so, absolutely. I, I hear you there too. Coming from a history of that, it takes time. Sometimes it takes lifetimes for people. Sometimes people don't get over these things at all. So, uh, I mean, I am a huge advocate of people dealing with adversity and overcoming it, but it's only because of people like you that others are able to overcome that adversity. You know, we need to share those tips with other people so that they, they can like follow in our footsteps. Yes, because resilience is something that we all have within us. I I touch on in the book my belief that resilience is a deep well of resources that we all have within us, but we don't know it. We haven't been taught that we have strengths and courage and fortitude and goodness and wisdom within ourselves. We're always looking outside of ourselves when really there's a lot within us that we can tap into and we can learn how to replenish our own well of resilience so we have what we need when times get rough, like in 2020, for example. Absolutely. So what is your definition of resilience? Well, it's really the fact that 
We have to understand that suffering is part of life. Difficulty is part of life for all of us. And what resilience is, is being able to bend and, and move past those difficulties, get to your goals with, un, with unnecessary, minimal unnecessary duress, physical, psychological, emotional, and spiritual duress. It's being able to ride the waves of the difficulty that invariably come for all of us and still be standing. That, that's really what it's about and learning how to tap into that well and how to access inner resources and connect those to outer resources so that you can meet the challenges that you face. Absolutely. And you're a certified mindfulness teacher. So I would love to hear your perspective on how mindfulness plays a role in resilience. It is so embedded in resilience. With mindfulness, obviously, we deepen our awareness of reality, both internally and externally. And very importantly, we become more aware of what our own mind is up to. And our minds are really a fascinating place. There's so much good that comes out of the human mind. But then our minds are powerful storytelling places, aren't they? And a lot of those oh, stories yeah. really deplete our resilience. Stories about being an imposter, about having shame, about not being good enough, about not being smart enough, pretty enough, fill in the blank enough, stories that really derail us and erode our natural resilience. And we don't really learn how to step out of the story, how to question the stories that our minds are so good at producing. And mindfulness can help us do that. When we sit and meditate and pay attention, it's amazing what's going on in our minds, really. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really something. And yet, until we become aware, we can't change it. So that's mm -hmm. why I think mindfulness is absolutely pivotal for building resilience. I agree. It, it was foundational for me in overcoming fibromyalgia naturally. Without mindfulness and meditation, I would not have recovered. Like I literally credit about 85% of that healing journey solely to mindfulness and meditation. As crazy as that may sound, like that is how profound it is for health and well-being mentally, emotionally, and physically, in my opinion. It doesn't sound crazy to me as a human being and as a physician, because what do we have in the medical profession really to do with fibromyalgia? So many people <laughs> suffer from fibromyalgia. Exactly, nothing. And in fact, sometimes negative. When doctors start yeah. blaming patients, oh, it's all in your head. Oh, you just need to get out and exercise, you know, put on a happy face. And, and which, is really, not, which is not true, as people know. And then like, right. I, I started my career as a scientist, so I still like to like dive into the literature. And then when I learned like that Lyrica, thank God I never like took it but can inhibit like neural connections in the brain like why would anyone ever take right. these things when they have such profound negative side effects on people there's so many limits to what modern medicine can offer and we have to be cognizant of that and we have to be open to other alternatives mm -hmm. on the other hand there's so much that mindfulness offers there's you know myriad studies of all the health benefits mental health physical health all you know every possible aspect of well-being so there's there's no reason not to be open to it Oh, absolutely. Like I love modern medicine, especially if you need surgery or to get patched up for an accident, but preventative and chronic care still has got a long way to go. And we all know that. Without a doubt. Yes, absolutely. So what would be your top tip of advice for people that are listening today as something super simple that they can do to start increasing resilience in their everyday life? I love it because there's so much that you can do. My top tip actually may sound counterintuitive. It has to do with being compassionate with yourself. 
Self-compassion is one of the most powerful medicinals that we have. It beats Lyrica. It beats a lot of different things. And so what do I mean by that? I mean, with mindfulness, being aware of the mental stories that you're telling yourself, where you're judging yourself harshly, telling yourself these stories about not being good enough, not being a good mother enough, a smart enough, et cetera, and actually putting your hand over your heart in a gesture of self-compassion and reminding yourself that life is difficult. We all face challenges, and yet, may I be kind with myself during the difficulty that I'm facing? May I treat myself with the same kindness and compassion that I would give to a good friend? May I be patient with myself where I remind myself that I'm doing the very best that I can? And taking some slow, deep breaths into that tenderness of one's hand over one's own heart, and really reminding yourself that you deserve that goodness. It's powerfully motivating. It it can sound very soft to people, and yet there's actually nothing soft about it at all. It motivates us. Studies have documented that. Mm -hmm. We tend to think that we need to whip ourselves to be motivated, and yet it really runs counter to getting us to do what it is that we want in our lives. So that's my biggest tip. It's free. It takes very little time. It's a muscle that can be built with repetition, and I highly recommend it. Thank you so much for that advice. And I really appreciate you being on the podcast today. I think information like this is so important to share with people. Definitely go check out Gail's new book, Everyday Resilience, and you can learn more about her at her website, gailgazelle.com. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. You've been listening to another episode of the Practical Wellness Podcast. Make sure to download, share with your friends and family, and have a great day.